Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 29th, and our passage for today is the book of Philippians chapter 3. Chapters 3 and 4 of the book of Philippians are two of my favorite passages in all the New Testament. And we're going to get right to it. Finally, finally, Paul says, now, he's not finished. This puts me in the mind of many pastors who say, and a final thought, and then it's 15 to 20 more minutes. Now, the reason I'm saying this is I'm experienced at saying finally and then going 15 to 20 more minutes. Some of you are laughing too hard at that because you have been members of churches where I have led and pastored, and you've heard me say that over and over again. You're having too much fun with this. Let's move on. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Paul had already told them this. He had told them again. He had written it to them. He had written it again. This is what anyone who is a teacher, a pastor, a leader, who passes on information that is intended to stick with someone, you have to say it over and over and over again. And that is why I say that repetition is the mother of learning. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. Beware of dogs. And he starts talking about those Judaizers that have been following him everywhere he goes and always trying to make Jews out of Gentiles to say in order to go to heaven, you've got to become a Jew. In order to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to, yes, put your trust in his atonement and his substitutionary debt, but that's not enough. You've got to also keep the law of Moses, or you've got to do this or do that. You've got to keep the festivals, the holy days. You must be circumcised. That is not what the Bible teaches. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. He's talking about circumcision. For we are the circumcision, that is, those of us who are followers of Jesus, who worship God in the Spirit, and we rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh, that is, in what we can do in our flesh, what we can do to our flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, that is, in his heritage, in what he can do, in keeping of the law, of being circumcised, of keeping Shabbat, of keeping the festivals, doing the sacrificial things, he he says, if you think you have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. This is Paul talking about his days before his Damascus Road experience with Jesus. He said, I'm more so. 
circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. That's on the proper day. The eighth day is when a boy would be circumcised. He said of the tribe of Benjamin, he could trace it back to a kingly tribe. He said, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, I was a Pharisee, which is a strict sect of law keepers. He says, concerning zeal, because it's not just enough to know, you've got to do in Judaism. And of course, that's the way it is, even for those of us who are Gentiles. It's not about saying what you're going to do and saying who you are. You've got to act it out. So he says, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church, the followers of Jesus, those people of the way. Concerning righteousness, which is the law, I was blameless. That doesn't mean he was sinless. That means no one could point a finger at him and say, you did this, you did that, you broke this commandment, you didn't do this. He said, in that regard, outwardly, I was blameless. And so he brings up all of these different categories that I just read where comparison would be made. And the Pharisees were always comparing themselves. And by the way, anyone who is self-righteous, anyone who is trying to work their way to heaven, you know, they're not comparing themselves to the righteousness of God and his goodness. They're comparing themselves with someone they can find that they can always do better than they. This is what Jesus addressed. You remember when he was standing in the temple complex and there was a man who came and beat on his chest. He was called a publican, and he beat on his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then the Pharisee, this self-righteous hypocrite, Jesus heard him say, God, I thank you. I thank you. I bless you because I am not like this man that's over here beating his chest. I'm not unrighteous like he is. I'm not in the position he is. And Jesus said that man that was lowly humbled himself, this publican that was castigated by this Pharisee, that man went down to his house justified, that is forgiven because of his humility and not his pride in comparison. But the Pharisees were always comparing themselves with something. Paul was doing the same thing. But he said, what things were gained to me, all that he had just mentioned, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, these other things are like dung to me. They're like waste product, byproduct to me. All of these things, yes, they're not evil in themselves. Yes, they're acts of obedience. But if I'm trusting that to produce righteousness that will gain me access to God, all of that I've counted indeed as rubbish as waste that I might gain the excellent knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them, here it is, as dung, as rubbish, as waste that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Listen to this, very important. Not having my own righteousness, that which I think makes me worthy to stand before God, that which I think allows me access to God, which is from the law. No man is going to keep the law. No man is going to be justified by keeping the law because if he offends in one area, if he keeps the whole law, 
and yet offends in one area. He's guilty of all. In other words, sin is sin. How many sins did it take to separate a man from God? Ask Adam. Ask Eve. One. And so separation from God is the result of sin. And so he says, I've given it all up. And the reason is that I might gain Christ, that I might trust in him, that I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith, through trust, through belief, through commitment in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by trust. Abraham was saved by trust. Isaac was saved by trust. Jacob's name was changed to Israel by trust. And all the people who have ever named the name of God himself and been a follower of the true and living God, it has come through trust, not by works of righteousness, which they have done. He said that I may know him. He's given up everything so that he can know him. And the power, the incredible dynamic of his resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was the greatest miracle that there ever was. You see, other people have been raised from the dead, but they would die again. Lazarus, he's still not with us today. No, he died because Jesus raised him from the dead, but he was raised to die again. Jesus was the first of many to come in that he was the first fruits. He was raised from the dead never to die again. And he still lives today. And the Bible says he can turn around and give us, by the power of his resurrection, he can grant us fellowship with him. He can grant us his righteousness. When we bring him our sin, he's already paid for it, and he takes our sin and he gives us, he graces us, he grants us his righteousness. Not his inherent righteousness as God, but his earned righteousness, his earned obedience that he obeyed at every step of his life, he turns around and credits that to our account. That's what he's talking about. And he said, we want to know the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He said, I want to be like Jesus. If I die, I will be raised just like he was. Not that I have already attained. Paul said, I've not arrived. Or have I already been perfected? Nobody's made it yet. But he said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus, who has also laid hold of me. He said, listen, the Lord sought me. He found me. He laid hold of me. He got my attention. Now I want to cling to him. I want to hold to him. I want to know him because he brought me unto himself. And he said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I've not arrived. But one thing I do, I forget those things. And even more so, he says, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I pressed toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, this is what he's saying. And this is what I want to say to you. I want to give you two words that I want you to take away from this podcast and from chapter three, two words, forget. That's number one, forget. Number two, focus. You need to forget what you have done. 
That doesn't mean that you don't learn the lessons of the past or that you never think about that. But Paul said, don't rest on your laurels. You need to forget the good. He was talking about the good, not the bad. But we need to do that too. So the first word that I want to get across for you to really center in on is forget. Forget the good things you've done because they will cause you to be prideful and rest on your laurels. That is the laurel wreath that you think you've won. But you need to forget the bad things as well. Don't let them have sway over you or they will put you into depression. You see, if you're resting and thinking on and still gloating over the victories that God's given you, you will become prideful. If you look at your failures, you will become depressed. So what do you need to do with the good things in the past? You need to forget about them. The bad things of the past. Have you messed up? Yes. Forget about it. Why? In the sense of getting amnesia, no. That you fail to learn lessons, no. What it, the word forget here means don't let it have sway over your life today. Don't dwell on what you've done, good or bad, because either one of those is not God's plan for your life. This is a new day. God's given you an opportunity to forget the past. Go past the past, go beyond the past, and focus on what lies ahead. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward that which is in Christ, that which is above, that which is beyond. He's saying, forget it and focus. Forget the past, good and bad. Don't let that be your guide for tomorrow. Focus on Jesus. Focus on what's ahead. Focus on God's plan and will for your life yet to come. As I am living in my 66th year on this planet, I cannot look back at the bad that I've done because it's depressing and it will haunt me. It will hold me back. Have I confessed it to God? Yes. Have I repented of it? Yes. Have I turned from it? Yes. You say, what are you talking about? Anything that I've done that's displeased God. And when God brings something to my mind, I confess it, I repent of it, I turn from it and move on. I cannot wallow in it. That's what the enemy wants to do is accuse us and it paralyzes us. Put it behind you. And you cannot say, oh, but the day, that was the day, that was the day, that was the day. Many are still living in the past. God doesn't want you to live in the past. He wants you to live in the present, looking toward the future. You see, I am so grateful to God that my hope is not in what I've done. My hope is in what he's done. My hope is not in, and my fears are not in what I've done in the past. No, my faith is in that God has forgiven, has helped me to overcome the past. Now, others may not. Others may try to drag me back. They cannot unless I allow them to do that. So I forget the past, good and bad, and I do not let it hold sway over me. But, oh, friend, listen to me. I focus on the path that God has before me. I believe that if I will stay in fellowship with God and walk with God, stay clean and pure before God, and continue to hear his voice, the greatest moments, days, weeks, months, and years, and I pray decades are in front of me. 
yes, in front of me. I'm focusing on the future. I'm focusing on walking with God moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, year by year. And I'm focusing on Jesus, the upward, blessed calling of knowing him, knowing him, being intimate with him, hearing his sweet voice, hearing his voice of reprimand and discipline when needed, but always with a loving hand of redemption. Forget the past, good and bad, and focus on the upward call of Christ Jesus. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.